following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. You know, I want to talk to you this morning about when God speaks and how amazing it is when God speaks. And when we talk about God speaking, I know some people have different experiences with God speaking. Some would even ask, does God actually speak? You work with people and have people in your family and in your neighborhood that have no idea that God speaks. No idea. And even some in this room have a different understanding of if God speaks and if he does, how does he speak? Others have experiences where you sense God's direction and hearing God speak somewhat often or once in a while. And uh, just by a show of hands, how many of you have sensed God speak to you either directly or through someone where you knew, wow, God just did something? That's, that's great. I say that because we have different experiences, but the Bible is full of these stories. In fact, the Bible says of its own self-description um, that all scripture is spirit-breathed, that no prophecy of scripture came forth by someone's own imagination but people were moved along as the Spirit of God spoke. As the Spirit of God spoke, they wrote down the Word of God, and that's why we have the Word of God that is still speaking to us today. God spoke, and it continues to live on. It's amazing when God speaks um, because it's, it's life-changing. It's amazing that the Creator of the universe would speak um, to His children the way He does. It's amazing. Um, when I was looking into this topic of speaking, I came across an interesting, um, an interesting article about Socrates, you know, Aristotle, Plato, Socrates. Socrates said this, um, Socrates believed that the universe was guided by a God with a sense of purpose, a God that was the source of human consciousness and morality, and he said that he would hear an inner voice that he believed was God, the one who had the ultimate power and the knowledge to design everything. This is what he said, that there was an inner voice that the God, that he, he seemed to think the creator of it all. In his culture, that didn't go over very well because they believed in many gods. But Socrates is saying, no, nope, there, there's, there's something, there's a, there's a creator with a master plan, design, there's something different than his society seemed to know about, and this one speaks. Interesting, speaks. And I want to talk to you about God speaking today. We're in the book of Acts, and we're in Acts chapter 21. If you want to open your Bibles there, we're going through the book of Acts, and um, we're going to move through it at a pretty good pace. But today's topic, as we're going through, um, speaks about God speaking. And so I want to share with you about that. It's not a new idea or concept. In the Old Testament, the Bible says this, that there will be a voice behind you telling you This is the way you should go. Walk in it. This is an Old Testament promise. There will be a voice behind you telling you this is the way. Walk in it. That's Old Testament. New Testament, we hear, we see that not only is there a voice behind us, but a voice in us. A voice in us, the voice of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, don't worry, you'll know what to say because the Holy Spirit will tell you what to say. Holy Spirit will show you what to say. He's the counselor and the comforter. He actually speaks. That's how he comforts and counsels. So this principle is pretty clear. So we're in Acts uh, 21. We're picking up in verse 7. And um, just to be fair, I want to say that um, Paul earlier said 
that he wants to hurry up and get to Jerusalem in time for Passover. Uh, excuse me, in time for Pentecost. And I sensed we need to hurry up to finish the book of Acts before Christmas. Um, we're kind of in the same boat. Um, so we're going to camp out a little bit in this passage right here, and then a really quick summary. I encourage you to read the rest of the book of Acts. It's a, the rest of the narrative uh, deals less with interaction with the people of God, although there's a little bit, bit of that left. Most of it is Paul going on trial, getting arrested, another trial, another trial, where he keeps giving an explanation for the faith. And we're going to look at the end of, book of the book of Acts to see how it ends up. But uh, today, we're starting in on Acts 21, verse 7. If you have your Bible, we can follow along in sections. We're talking about when God speaks, specifically when God speaks through people, when God speaks through people, and how God not only does it, he wants to do it, he desires to do it, he's been doing it through the history of the church, and I believe it's part of our discipleship that we simply take note of it and a little bit of ownership of it. Because a lot of times in modern Christianity, when you talk about God actually speaking, people have a different understanding and and maybe don't know where to put that in a category. I wanna explain to you today that this is a biblical promise. It's part of our discipleship. It's part of church history. And it's something that we can't um, disconnect ourselves from. Specifically, prophecy. God speaking to us and God speaking through others. Um, Well, it goes like this in verse seven. It says, we continued our voyage from Tyre and landed in Ptolemais, where we were greeted by the brothers and sisters and stayed with them for a day. Leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip the Evangelist, one of the seven, who had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. Paul is finishing his third missionary journey. This is the last recorded missionary journey we have of him in the Bible, and he's returning to Jerusalem. And along the way, people are hearing from God, and they're telling Paul what they're hearing from God. And there's a narrative, if you were to follow along and read up to this point, the, the narrative is the Spirit of God speaking to people, warning them about what's about to happen to Paul. That's through the passage. The Spirit of God warning, speaking to people, this is what's going to happen to Paul. And we know that the Holy Spirit is the wonderful counselor, so it should not surprise us the Holy Spirit is speaking to people about what's to come. God is good that way. And he's coming back, finishing his journey, and he's finally getting back to the mainland where he's going to travel now uh, on foot to Jerusalem, but he lands in Caesarea, port, a port city in, in modern-day Israel. And he goes to Philip's house. Now, I just want to do a quick recap on Philip because I think it's important. Philip um, was one of the seven that early on in the beginning of the formation of the church, the apostles, they saw something really special in Philip's life. They saw a spiritual capacity in Philip's life. They saw that he was full of the spirit and full of knowledge and they prayed about who and they appointed seven to be deacons in the church, servant leaders in the church. And Philip was this guy who had this heart to serve, a pure heart. God was moving mightily. And I believe this became the foundation for everything else he did. Honestly, when I look at Philip, he had this humble servant's heart and God can do explosive things built on that kind of foundation of humility. So he was an early deacon in the church, a servant leader. We also know in the book of Acts that he grew to be an amazing evangelist. In fact, he's known later on as Philip the evangelist and no one else in the New Testament is called 
you know, Bill the evangelist or Joe the evangelist, but we see Philip the evangelist because this guy, it's just exuding out of him. This spiritual gift of evangelism is flowing everywhere. We saw that he was on the road and he uh, reached out to the Ethiopian eunuch. Some of you know the story where he said, hey, pull the chariot over, let's get baptized. And this guy took the gospel back to, uh, you know, to, to Ethiopia. And in modern day Ethiopia, they trace their Christian roots to that encounter, interestingly enough. So Philip went from this deacon, servant leader, to this amazing evangelist. And then it moves on to say in this passage right here um, that he... He raised his daughters up in the faith, and his daughters, his four four daughters prophesied. Now, I'll just tell you right there, the fact that he was a deacon, servant leader in the church, and an amazing evangelist, and he raised his daughters in the faith, hey, bravo, you succeeded, well done, good and faithful servant, you can go on to glory now. You know, you did a great job, that's amazing. But he raised his daughters in the faith, and that's successful But here's something that he raised them in, and this is where I want to tie it into our life and our understanding of the kingdom of God and how it works for the church or should work according to God's design. Acts chapter 2, 17, you don't have to turn there, but this is what God was saying the church, how the church should function. This should be a component of our life. As followers of Jesus, if you believe Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose from the grave, he conquered death, if you believe you're saved by grace through faith in his provision alone, then he gives us the deposit of the Holy Spirit in our life where we're sealed. But there's also subsequent provisions of God, and the Bible is clear on what they are. And if you're a disciple, you need to grow in these provisions of God, understanding what they are. One of them that's said in Acts chapter two seventeen is the promise that your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Now, it didn't say they might or they can think about it or they can hope to. The biblical promise, the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy in the Old Testament was when Messiah comes and we're in this church age of the followers of Jesus Messiah, here is a provision of God's kingdom in this kingdom age where we come into the kingdom of God through Jesus as citizens of the kingdom, as sons and daughters of God, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Philip took that to heart. That's what it said. He raised his daughters. He didn't put a gift in them because you can't put a gift into people. God put a gift in his daughters. But Philip was discerning enough to say, I see a gift in my daughters. And they have this amazing, not a talent, this amazing spiritual ability to somehow get in on what God is saying. Either hearing him more sensing internally, but whatever it is, it's on a spiritual, it's on a whole nother level. It's not natural. It's a spiritual gift. And Philip recognized it. And ironically, all four of his daughters function in this gifting right here. The Greeks suggest that they were young, maybe under 16 years old. These are young gals. Uh, just a, Jesus said, you know, to, to understand the kingdom of God, you have to come like a child. They didn't come with all their logic and doubt in the way. They came like a child. They listen to God. They share what God, what God is saying or at least what they sense the Spirit is telling them. Uh, it suggests in the Greek that they prophesied regularly or habitually. This is normal for them. This is normal for them. Uh, I just want to say this because we're looking at the church life and the book of Acts is really the model of the church. It is the model of the church. Any, any church in history should be aiming at this is the way God designed it. 
And there's been a lot of variations over the years that have gotten far away from the book of Acts. But the book of Acts is God's design for his church. And we try to follow the patterns that are set forth in the book of Acts. Um, Some translations say that they had the gift of prophecy. Some translations interpret that they were prophetesses, prophetesses, uh, the female prophet. Um, um, Some said that they... um, had the ability to speak what God had revealed, which in essence is prophecy, but they had the spiritual gift of prophecy and they functioned in it. This is what we know. Now, when we, when we think about prophecy and what is prophecy, because I'm sure in the room you might be thinking, well, what exactly, what exactly are you talking about? Like, what does that entail, uh, prophecy? Prophecy is speaking forth the heart of God. It's speaking forth God's words, nothing that we can make up. It has to be from God. And if God has a message that's delivered through the Old Testament prophets, that would be prophecy. In the New Testament church, God would have things to say to people that he would speak to some, and those would simply deliver. And that's what I want to talk to you about, because it is a powerful component of the kingdom of God, and it shouldn't be... uh, removed from our lives. It should not be exempted from the way we function as sons and daughters of of the Most High God. Now, prophecy, when you think about prophecy, it could be the written word of God or the unwritten word of God. It could be the word of God that all of a sudden the Lord is saying, tell them this right now. You're like, okay, here it goes. And you share something right out of the word of God and they know, whoever listens to it, wow, that was so timely, that was so powerful, How did you know that? I didn't know it, but God knew it. Does that make sense? Sharing forth the word of God or hearing the word of the Lord where God is speaking in some kind of still small voice and in faith you sharing something that is the heart of God and in the same way the recipient goes, how did you know that? Again, I didn't know it, but God knew it. And this way people seeing The reality in the Old Testament, we see this happen in a couple of different ways. Sometimes they were called seers in the Old Testament, depending on your translation. Seers because somehow, spiritually, God would give them revelation through seeing. Some of the revelation was through a visual. It was through either a dream or some sort of visual. We see Peter in the New Testament with a sheet coming down. We see John in Revelation with this whole visual. In the Old Testament, we see the same thing where there was a visual presentation of the kingdom or what's to come and the prophets would write it down as God revealed. Other times it will say, the word of the Lord came to this prophet during this time. The word of the Lord. And this time it was not visual, it was audible. But it was revelation from God delivered to sons and daughters, responsible servants who in turn shared uh, what God said. Now we're talking about in a minute about testing this. So some people, the big concern is like, well, how do you know it's from God or not? Great question, million dollar question, valid one. We're going to talk about that. But this is what the essence of prophecy is, sharing and speaking the heart of God as he reveals it to others and having them share it in our life. Um, but there's some guidelines for this, but I think it's, it's really, really important. Um, since today's passage is stressing prophecy, 
I want to stress it as well, since it's bringing it and highlighting it out. Right at the end of Paul's journey, we, we can't get away from this little section right here. I, I want to as well. You don't have to turn there, but it says in Acts 13, chapter 1, it talks about the church of Antioch. The church of Antioch was the epicenter of Gentile conversions and explosion and revival. Jerusalem was the epicenter of Jewish revival and, and everything going on. So out of the church of Antioch, this is the way God designed his church. It says in Acts 13.1, you can read it later. It says, now in the church of Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Why? Because this is normal. This is how God designed his church. Prophets, plural, and teachers, plural, and disciples were being made. Um, They sent out a lot of missions, missionary journeys. Paul and Barnabas, they sent out others on missionary journeys. But in the church, there were prophets and there were there were teachers. Again, this was normal in the New Testament church. Um, you know, this week, I uh, got to go up on the top of the hill here and just kind of pray, not only over the message, but pray over this city, this valley. And I, I really got a strong sense from the Lord uh, because I think if we're still and we listen, I do believe God speaks. He, he, he never said he would stop speaking. Uh, if somebody tells you that God has stopped speaking, then they're making the grave mistake of adding to the word of God or taking away from the word of God. The Bible says don't let anyone add or take away. And we would all agree, oh, no, no, we would never add to the word of God. We would never do that. Nobody can do that. However, some very confidently take away from the word of God. And and that's really unfortunate. We can't add or take away. God never said he would stop speaking. Um, But all that to say is, while I was up there just praying, I really got a sense from God on this topic of, of prophecy on this topic of hearing from God and faithfully delivering what God says, I really got a sense from God that he is calling us to prophetic evangelism. Prophetic evangelism. Let me explain that. Evangelism is sharing the message of Jesus. Evangelism is anything that you or I do to take people one step closer to God. If you share the good news of Jesus Christ and people take a step closer to God, that's great. They're, they're moving towards God through what we share. That's that kind of evangelism. There's other evangelism through friendships where you're loving on people and you're caring and they see the kingdom of God through you and they're like, I think that's real. And, and again, you're bringing people closer to God by, by our actions, by our love. But there's another way too when, when you share with somebody Something that you cannot know. There's no way you can know it. Only God can know it. That is a wake-up call in people's lives that they, they realize God must be alive. He must be alive because you just said something that you couldn't know. And then we get to say the same thing. I don't know these things, but my God knows them. And he loves you so much, he wants you to know. Do you see the the principle on prophetic evangelism? Simply sharing the heart of God to somebody in a way that you and I can't possibly know it. That's not weird. That should be normal. This was part of the church life back then, functioning in this kind of of realm. Um, And so I believe we can do that. I believe God's calling us to do that. In fact, when we look in in the Bible, Daniel, uh, you know, Daniel, you know, the king's like having a dream and and no one can interpret the dream. And Daniel comes in and is like, uh, well, you know what? Um, I don't have the answer to your dream either. (laughs) I'll admit. But my God does. And I'm going to ask my God what the answer to your dream is. Because only God, God knows everything. 
but we don't. So stay tuned. And he goes and prays and he comes back and says, you want to know the answer to your dream? Here it is. Boom. And what was the result? Whoa. God is among you. God must be among you. And all of a sudden, the, the king's attitude has changed, even towards Daniel and the way he's treated. He's like, whoa, what's going on? God must be among you. And so this is the principle of prophetic evangelism, sharing, hearing something from God and sharing to people and people waking up going, wow, God must be among you. Um, you know, we had a, a young man come down this summer. He was on a break from college up in Northern California and he called uh, the church saying, hey, uh, he had left a message. Hey, I just came to faith uh, in school uh, just like a month ago and I'm, I'm coming back down to this area for the summer and, and I need a place to grow. Um, I need a place to grow in the things of God that I'm, I'm like a new believer. Could you guys help me? We called back, absolutely, come on down, we want to help you. And so he had the summer of his life, he, he was on the fast track. He was even in the school of ministry and learn, you know, learning these dimensions of the kingdom. And, and I just love to see someone at that young 19, 20 year old, which by the way, statistically, uh, there are less people coming to Christ in that age group than probably any time in the history of this country. So we, we got an issue in America in this area. So when I heard he came to faith in school, uh, I, I'm like, that's amazing. Tell me your story. Tell me how you came to faith. You know what he told me? He said, someone came to me and said, God wants you to know something about your life. And he said, what would that be? And the person prayed and told him something that was directly from God that only God could know. And he, his jaw dropped and hit the ground. He's like, how could you know that? And the answer was, I don't know it, but my God does. And then all of a sudden, the consequence, the result is, <laughs> God must not only be alive, he's among you. He's among you. Yes, that's the point. He is the living God, and he is among us. He is among us, and this is a way to share faith with people that's not normally discussed, but I believe there's going to be a season where, like the book of Acts, your sons and daughters will prophesy where you share the things that God puts on your heart. You don't make this stuff up. You can't make this stuff up. Whereas God, and if God doesn't share, then you don't share. But if God does share, that you're willing to share with others, freely you've been given, freely give. That's the premise of scripture, and uh, I just think it's amazing. So, um... We're gonna, I just want to share a couple things out of 1 Corinthians 14 to build on this topic, and we're going to finish up the, this passage. But it says in 1 Corinthians 2.10, it says this, there are things God has revealed to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. That means the spirit searches them and reveals them to us. The spirit searches everything. We, we, we're not even capable of searching everything, but the spirit of God can search everything and then the Spirit of God can reveal. And that is the point. The Spirit of God is all-knowing. He searches everything. There might be someone in your family, neighborhood, on your block that God wants to share something so important, but they're so disconnected from spiritual reality. The Bible says, without the Spirit of God, you cannot discern the things of God. So there's a whole group of people who have no idea what the Spirit of God is trying to do or how God is trying to draw them. they're, They're totally checked out on that. However... As a son and daughter of God, you can be plugged in and in tune with God where the spirit that searches all things, he will reveal them if we ask, this is a biblical promise, and that you get to step forward in love and share something 
And someone will say, how did you know that? I didn't know that, but my God knows that. And he loves you enough that he wants you to know that too. That's, that's the way it works. A um, couple of quick things. If you're a note taker, you might want to write some of these down because uh, we're talking about when God speaks through people. And here's some basic things, and I'm pulling these from 1 Corinthians 14. You can read it later. But uh, I, I want to share a couple of these because for some of you right now, you're thinking, I don't know, Pastor, about this prophecy thing. I don't know about hearing from God and sharing with others. I haven't really heard that before. Uh, maybe you haven't, but check your word. It's in the word of God. And it is uh, stated in such a way that we are supposed to be aware of it. If someone didn't share this with you, they skipped over it intentionally, I'm sorry, or they spun it a different way, but it's clear and it's in the word. Um, 1 Corinthians 12 says, do not be ignorant about spiritual gifts. Do not be ignorant. That means don't ignore them. And 1 Corinthians 14 says this, 14 verse 1, follow the way of love and eagerly desire. Would you say that with me? Eagerly desire, eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. This is instruction to the church. Not only should we not be ignorant of, we should eagerly desire. We'll talk more about gifts of the Spirit in the new year, but eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Paul's writing. Don't be ignorant of them. Eagerly desire them. He's not talking to the leaders of the church. He's talking to the church, everybody. Eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially desire prophecy. We're thinking, what do you mean desire it? Am I allowed to desire it? I thought, I thought prophecy went away. I thought we're not supposed to. Don't be ignorant and eagerly desire prophecy. So if you're a note taker this morning, that's out of 1 Corinthians 14.1. The first point about God speaking to us and through us is desire prophecy. Desire it. I don't know if you desire it. I don't know if you want it, but the word tells you to want it, to ask for it. The word of God is telling you and me that we should say, God, change my heart, make me right, God. Whatever's off in me, Lord, any ways, Lord, get my heart right before you, God. And I want to do everything in love. But now, God, you are the living God. And if you have something to say, give me ears to hear, God. I really want to hear what you have to say for me, God. And Lord, if you have something to say to somebody else, I'm willing to be your messenger. And in that way, this is desiring prophecy to hear from God and to speak forth the heart of God in a situation. This is what Philip's daughters did. This is the way they operated. It's the way they rolled. This was their lifestyle of praying, hearing from God, and sharing some things. It's it's pretty amazing. So desire prophecy. Uh, It says in 1 Corinthians 14, uh, quickly, verse 4 says, prophecy edifies the church. Prophecy edifies and builds up the church. Prophecy builds up the church. It it makes the church stronger. It makes you and I stronger when we hear God's heart in a situation. We're like, wow, God is with us, and we're growing, we're getting stronger. And in verse 12 of 1 Corinthians 14, it says, try to excel out of all the gifts, try to excel in building gifts. And he calls prophecy one of the building gifts. Prophecy is a, is a gift that builds. If you want to excel in anything, excel in prophecy is what he's saying, which is pretty amazing. A lot of people skipped that and didn't even know that was in the Bible, that not only is it real, but we should not be ignorant about it, but we are supposed to desire uh, prophecy. Uh, and, and the second point is to, um, to allow prophecy to allow prophecy. 
Uh, this also passage, we're not going to get into the order, but God is a God of order. And when people misappropriate God's order, that's why Paul's even talking to this church in the first place. He's like, the gifts are great. Use the gifts. Don't stop using the gifts, but remember the order. Uh, so he's basically saying allow prophecy in this passage. And again, you can read it later, but it's for the strengthening and the encouraging and the comforting of others. Sometimes people are going through something. They need the encouragement and the strengthening and the comforting. And God may tell you something for them that you can say, sense the Lord saying, let your heart not be troubled right now. God sees your situation. And through this trial, he's going to bring you. And on the other side, he has something for you because they have no hope. And God's looking down from his vantage point and says, "I, I need them to have hope. I see how troubled they are right now. But they need to know from my vantage point, God would say, I've got them covered and they're going to come out on the other side of this and I've got them. Would you share that with them? Simple thing like that, encouragement, strengthening. Uh, This is prophecy. This is hearing from God and sharing what God has to say. Um, 1 John 4.1 does say to warn about false prophets. It's important too. People running around saying stuff that's not from God. Um, And that's why verse 29 of 1 Corinthians 14 says this, that after a prophecy or after a prophetic word, after a word of the Lord that comes to somebody, he says, weigh carefully, weigh carefully what is said. In other words, just because someone says it doesn't mean it's from the Lord. And that's why I think some would rather just do away with all this whole topic. Because we don't want to weigh carefully or even deal with, let's just Let's just get rid of this whole thing and move on. We don't need pro- prophecy. We don't want a prophetic word. We don't even want to just, just ignore it. We're not going to teach on it. We're, we're going to be ignorant about it, and we're not going to desire it. We don't want to deal with that. It's a lot easier to move forward and, and forget that. But I want to remind you, we are sons and daughters of the living God, and the living God interacts with his children, and the living God speaks to his children, and the living God wants to make these things known, and, and we're supposed to desire and function in this. Um, so the third point this morning on that is to test prophecy. Test it. Test it. You know, First John also says test the spirit. You've got to test it. If somebody says something, you've got to check it with your word of God. You've got to check it with the word. Uh, the spirit of God will never contradict himself. And so check it with the word of God. And when you check it with the word of God, you've got to make sure it lines up. And that's why he was telling the Corinthians, allow prophecy. Allow it to happen but test and weigh carefully everything that's said. Does that make sense? Now throw it away, just weigh it and test it. I love this, and this is, the, the, this is like a grand slam verse, but uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 25, here's, this is beautiful. This is when prophecy is done God's way. When it's not reckless, when it's not out of order, when prophecy is truly from God, through God's servants, and done God's way, here is the end result. Verse 25 says this, It says, the secret of their hearts are laid bare so they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. When it's done right, people are like, their heart is laid bare and they realize, whoa, God is really among you. This is what scripture says will happen when prophecy is done the right way. I talked to you about the the gentleman from college, the young man from college. Why? Because when scripture was done the right way, his heart was laid bare. He worshiped God and said, God is among you. And that, in fact, is the principle, is to function in God's gifts, God's way, 
so that people will say, wow, God is among you. He is the living God, family. Uh, the, the fourth point then is that evidence of prophecy, if you want to know the evidence of prophecy, or at least one strong evidence of prophecy, is the acknowledgement that God is really among us, where people will go, wow, how did that happen? How did you know that? We don't know it, but God does. Wow, God is among you. This is what it's saying in 1 Corinthians 14. Allow prophecy, desire it, do it in order, test it, but when it's done the right way, people are going to go, wow, God is among you. And that to me is some of the best evangelism that you're ever going to be able to be, able to be used by God, to partner with God in, um, because people wake up to that reality where God is in fact among you. Uh, you may have heard the story of the, um, uh, the pastor who came out of his church after, after services. He was out in the parking lot and everybody was gone and it was the end of the day. And as he's getting in the car, he, he heard some boy yelling and he's getting in his car, and he's like, what is that? And he, he looks out, and he sees some boy on his bicycle on the other side of the fence yelling out to him. He's like, hey, mister. Hey, mister. So the pastor's looking and goes, yeah, what is it? What is it, son? He's like, hey, mister. Is God in there? Is God in there in that building, mister? The pastor had to stop and go, yeah. Yeah, God is in there. God is in there. Why is that? Because if God is alive, people want to know. If God is alive, people want to know. And guess what? God is alive, so people ought to know. If God is alive, people ought to know. They ought to know that the living God is among us. That is what 1 Corinthians is saying. They ought to know that God is among us. So this might be a little different approach from what you've heard before, but I'm telling you, this is, a, this is a component of the kingdom of God, and it's for all God's sons and daughters. It's not to be ignored. It's something to expect. It's a biblical promise. It's something to be desired. It's something to function in, and God will use you, and actually, he will use others around you to share things with you in a way that you'll be like, wow, I really needed that. And maybe they were praying for you, and God provided some sort of insight or comfort or word and encouragement. This is two-way street. This is the kingdom of God. This was happening among the believers. This was normal in the New Testament church. It's not always normal today, but it's normal in the New Testament church. Um, this moves on in, in verse 10 of, uh, of our passage in Acts here. Uh, and it says that um, after we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea Come over to, coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and said, the Holy Spirit says, in this way, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. So here we got another prophet in the passage today. This is our fifth prophet in two verses. Did you realize that? We had four, four daughters and then him, all these prophets like back to back in the passage. Um, and um, 15 years earlier, this same prophet, Agabus, came up in the book of Acts and he heard from God and he shared what he heard and what he heard came true. Again, this is the New Testament church with prophets. Um, remember it said earlier in the, in, the, in the church of Antioch there were prophets and teachers? Um, it says in Acts eleven twenty seven. now at this time some prophets came down from Jerusalem. This is not Old Testament, it's New Testament. At this time, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and began to indicate by the Spirit 
that there would certainly be a great famine all over the world, and this took place during the reign of Claudius. In other words, God warned in advance. He came down in faith and shared what God said. Some probably thought he was nuts. That's okay. Some probably are like, how would you know that? I'm not going to trust you. And others are like, wow, if God said that, pray about it, test it. Pray about it yourself and see, see if that lines up with what you sense the Spirit of God is doing. Sure enough, it came to pass. Um, so Agabus prophesies, and he happens to do it through a display. He did it with Jerusalem. He, he did it in a, in a display. Um, and then right here with Paul, he does it in a display where he's taking Paul's belt and he's wrapping himself in it. And he's saying, this is what God said will happen to the owner of this belt. Um, so here's the deal. The revelation could be visual. It could be audible. Um, and, in, and in this case right here, he's warning. This prophecy was simply warning that there is danger to come. And I don't know about you, but if there's danger to come in my life, I want to know about it. Don't you? If there's some danger to come, if God needs to prepare you because you're about to go through some crazy trial or thing, wouldn't it be nice to get a little warning? Amen? Sometimes God does, in fact, prepare you for what is to come, and that's what he's doing. He's not removing us because sometimes when we go through trials of many kinds, we come out with perseverance and a level of strength and testimony on the other side and a level of faith that we never would have had had we not gone through the trial. Yet, God in his love, not always, but sometimes will warn you to tell you to prepare you to get ready to brace for a storm. Brace for something. I, I would say, thank you, God, for that. Some would just be like, why are you allowing the storm, God? Instead of saying, God, thank you for telling me. Thank you that I can close like back east. They have to close the shutters and they have to do things to get ready for the storm. You want to know, you want to be prepared. God did that. And now here's interesting. As we move on to verse 12, here is the interpretation of the prophecy. There was a prophecy, which was from God, and now we have the interpretation. And I want to encourage you, watch closely the interpretation. Because sometimes, this is baffling, God can be so clear that he did reveal himself and he did say something, and yet our interpretation still can be off. And that's what happened in this passage right here. Verse 12, when we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when he, when, when he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. Now, the prophecy was about Paul's future. The prophecy was danger. This is what's going to happen. The Spirit of God did not say, don't go. It's not what it says. The Spirit of God did not say, don't go. The Spirit of God just warned, this is what's going to happen. Now, the believer's interpretation was, well then, this must mean, don't go. The Spirit of God never said, don't go, but the believer's conclusion was, of course, it must mean don't go. So they're all arguing with him, don't go, don't go, don't go. But that's not, in fact, what, what God said. And it's amazing that they added, really, to what God said. God never said don't go. There was just a warning. And so the prophecy was from the Lord, but I believe the additional word that they added was not from the Lord. And I think that's important to note because they added with their own logic 
They added with their own logic to what God said and had the wrong conclusion. And this is the fifth and final point on, on prophecy, on hearing from God and sharing. Is the, the, the fifth point is to share what the Spirit shares, nothing more, nothing less. Share what the Spirit of God shares, nothing more and don't, nothing less. Don't add to it. I've seen this function at times where, um, you know, in, in my walk with God, in, in having words of wisdom or knowledge or anything that God shows, where sometimes people feel obligated to explain the whole story. God maybe didn't give you the whole story. Maybe God gave you a word for somebody to encourage or to comfort or to warn or to help or correct, you know. Uh, it could be something, somebody at work living the wrong way and says, God, God telling you, you got to make a U-turn. God wants you to know that. And they're like, how did you know that? I don't, but God does. It could be God wants you to know he loves you more than you know, and he's standing with you in this trial. He wants you to trust him. It could be all different forms of prophecy. But whatever God says, we want to share it, and we don't want to add any more to sharing what the Spirit of God said. This um, group of believers in this passage, they got the warning, but they turned around and said, don't go. And that's not what the Spirit uh, was saying. Um, so don't add or take, in a, take away. How many of you know that the Bible says that we are ambassadors for Christ? We are ambassadors. That means we represent him. That means just like we send in America, we send ambassadors to other nations around the world. God is sending you into other people's worlds as an ambassador for him. And as an ambassador, you have the authority of Jesus with you to represent Jesus, but we don't get to make up our own stuff. We share what, as an ambassador, what's the heart of God. When America sends an ambassador to another country, they don't get to start making up their own stuff. They don't say, hey, why don't we work out a new trade agreement or why don't we, you know, uh, you know, have a new peace treaty or declare war on something. Ambassador doesn't do any of that stuff. The ambassador only represents with the authority given to him and goes and represents in the same way that you and I are ambassadors for Jesus and we, we go and share what's from God. If you hear from God, if you pray and get words from God, if you get insights, clarity, direction, comfort, any kind of counsel for anybody, share what the Spirit shares, nothing more, nothing less. And so just in conclusion here, um, this passage, because I just wanted to, as Paul wanted to get to Jerusalem by, by uh, Pentecost, we want to finish this uh, book of Acts. So I want to summarize real quickly. Then The rest of the narrative is that he does, in fact, go to Jerusalem and get arrested. Um, and after he's arrested, he goes before different kings along the way. He goes to Felix and Festus and Agrippa, and he goes through these trials explaining the kingdom of God and, and things like that. I want to encourage you to read it. Uh, he's shipwrecked on the way to Rome, but he finally arrives in Rome. And if you could just turn to Acts chapter 28, just wanted to share a, a powerful conclusion uh, in this book of Acts. And again, I want to encourage you to read this the, the, the narrative of the, um, the trials and the shipwreck along the way. Uh, but this is a great summary of the book. Um, verse 16 of Acts 28 says that when we got to Rome, we means Luke, the author of Acts, is with him. Uh, when we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him, which is great to know that as a citizen of Rome, he wasn't stuck in some dungeon. He actually was treated with a little bit of honor and respect. Uh, and it moves on in verse 30. And it says, for two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. 
You might want to underline this in your Bible. It's the last verse in the book of Acts. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus with all boldness and without hindrance. So for two years, for two years in Rome, he's doing this home-based ministry. And this is the place where he turned around. You're like, God, why did you allow this? Well, this is the place where he wrote the letter of the Ephesians, which we all read and enjoy. Believers have been enjoying for 2,000 years. Philippians, Colossians. This is, this is where this happened during this time. And during this time, he had a little bit of freedom, at least in his house, that people could come and go and visit. And later on, he says, hey, the whole Roman guard, all these guards, they're all starting to come to faith. <laughs> the, the kingdom of God is being infiltrated into this whole Roman empire through these guards, which is really amazing. Um, history tells us that he was released uh, a few years later, and he got to minister uh, for a few more years. He was, he was uh, jailed for two years or in home-based ministry, and then he was actually released, and he has a few more years of, of ministry before his ultimate re- uh, arrest and martyr. But when you look at the way this ends right here, you might ask yourself, well, why is there really not an end to the story? It doesn't seem like it, it didn't really end. The text doesn't go on and really tell us the end. And the reason that there's no end to the story is because the story is not about Paul. The story is about the kingdom of God. Uh, It says in the last verse, he proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus tells us to do the same thing he told Paul to do, to proclaim the kingdom of God and share the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the story doesn't have an ending because the story doesn't end. The story was designed to continue and carry over to you and I. In fact, you and I, we are the Acts 29 church. There is no chapter 29 but we're writing that story right now, or better stated, God is writing that story through us right now. We're the Acts 29 church where you and I proclaim the kingdom of God and share Jesus with people, and we carry the kingdom wherever we go. That is the heart of God. And so I would just encourage you as we close in prayer right now to, to, to use your spiritual gifts, don't be ignorant of them, desire them, and to not be afraid to share what God shares with you. For some of you, I know you get this, you understand prophecy, you, you, you've heard about it, you understand it. But some of you, this is like totally outside the box. I want to encourage you, in fact, we're going to do this as we close it, as we pray to just hear from God and maybe ask him to speak to us right now. And then ask him, who are you supposed to share this with? There may be someone you need to get on the phone with later today or send a message to, or maybe someone you're going to see at Christmas time, that God has a word for them. And it's from, you're not making this up. It's going to take a little boldness to do this. This is where you step out and you start trusting God. This is where you use a spiritual gift and you walk in faith to share what God has shared with you. But I want to remind you that Jesus is telling us the same thing he told them. I am with you always, even till the ends of the earth. I am with you. So when you go, you're not going alone. When you go, you're not going alone. And I I just want to encourage you that there are people in your life that God loves. There are people in your life that God loves so much and they don't know it. There are some who have pulled over along the way and gotten a little shipwrecked. There's others who got disappointed. There's others who stopped running the race. There's others who are are confused about God's plan because things didn't go the way they wanted them to go. And, and, And God wants to speak to them and encourage them back into the life in his kingdom And how will they know unless someone goes and tells them, it says in Romans. Blessed are the feet that 
bring the good news. Because how are they going to know unless someone tells them? I want to encourage you, be open to hearing a word from God and sharing it with someone in love as the Lord leads. Do not let that be foreign to you because it's in the word of God. And I don't know about you, but I want everything that's in this Bible. I want everything that's in this book of Acts. I don't want to add or take away from it. But if it's in the word, I want it. And you should want it. And so on that note, let's close in prayer right now. Ask God to seal some things in our heart. Um, Mighty God, we just thank you for your word, the power of it, Lord. This has been an explosive journey going through this book of Acts and seeing what you did through your people in the church, God. It's amazing. Uh, Lord, I just want to pray, God, that we would be uh, the next chapter. We would be the Acts 29 church, God. We would be people who say, God, we want to do what they did. You tell us to go ye therefore and to make disciples and grow people in the kingdom and share the good news. And, and God, we want to do that. You told us to do that. And, and, and we want to do that, God. But I also pray, uh, Lord, that we wouldn't leave parts of the kingdom out, Lord, that this part of, of sharing um, and, and prophecy and, and words of wisdom or knowledge or encouragement that you would give, that you would give us an ear to hear. And God, we would be willing to share and not afraid. And as a result, people would be built up, equipped, encouraged, strengthened, God, just like you said they would. And others, others would say, wow, God is among you. And they would turn and worship God. That's what it says in scripture. And that's what we want, Lord. So I just pray, Lord, for all of us in this room, Lord, that you would awaken that kind of gifting in our life, that kind of... Um, heart that we would be open to hear from you, God. And I just want to pray right now that we would just stop for a moment, maybe as the worship team just begins to worship a little bit, God, that we would just stop and we would just have an ear to hear what your spirit's saying. I just pray right now, God, you put one person and at least one word on our heart for somebody, whether it's something about let them know I forgive them, and now they need to forgive themselves. Maybe I've never left you or forsaken you. Maybe it's return to your first love. Maybe it's wake from your slumber. It's time to wake up now. God is calling you out. Maybe it's turn. That path is a reckless one. There's no future in it. Maybe it's you got cut in on along the way. Somebody cut you off. But God has so much more potential for you in his kingdom for you to share in. Maybe someone forgot their identity as a son or daughter of God. They, they forgot. They need to return to their first love. God, I just pray, Lord God, I just pray that you would just speak to us right now, God, and just show us a person, whether by name or by their face, anyone, and, and you would show us the word that we would hear from you, God. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit valleymetrochurch.com.